from the authors of Author Masterminds. This is Mysterious. Mystery surrounds us every day. Join us and listen to true stories of mystery, from human behavior to nature and the physical environment to paranormal experiences. The stories are true, even if we can't explain them. The Limp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri, is said to be one of the 10 most haunted places in America. The mansion continues to play host to the tragic Limp family after death. The once stately home to millionaires became office space, then decayed into a rundown boarding house. Finally restored, the Limp Mansion is now a fine dinner theater, restaurant, and bed and breakfast. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers. I love mysteries of all kinds, but my favorites are of the supernatural variety. My writing reflects my passion. The oldest conflict in the world, good versus evil, is the center of my books. When I was a child, it wasn't uncommon for me to hear stories in my family about rocking chairs that moved on by themselves, a room in our grandparents' farmhouse no one slept in because a spirit would appear at night, or even encounters with evil by friends of our family. Because these stories were related to me by people I knew and trusted, I became interested in what causes hauntings in the first place. Which brings me to the topic of this episode. The Limp family began with Johann Adam Limp, who arrived in St. Louis from Eschwig, Germany, in 1838. Johann built a small grocery store and sold everyday household items, groceries, and homemade beer. People welcomed the light golden lager as a significant change from the darker beers sold at the time. The recipe handed down by his father was so popular that just two years later, Johann gave up the grocery store. He built a small brewery in 1840, close to where the Gateway Arch stands today. At first, Limp sold his beer in a pub attached to the brewery. Before long, Limp found that the brewery was too small to handle both production and storage and found a limestone cave south of the city limits. The cavern at the present-day corner of Cherokee and Domenil Place could be kept cool by chopping ice from the nearby Mississippi River and depositing it inside, providing perfect conditions for the lagering process to run its course. Limp's western Brewing Company continued to prosper and, by the 1850s, was one of the largest in the city. In 1858, the beer captured first place at the annual St. Louis Fair. A millionaire by the time of his death, Johann Adam Limp, died on August 25, 1862. After his death, Johann's son, William, began a significant expansion of the brewery by purchasing a five-block area around the storage house on Cherokee above the beer caves. Continually expanding to meet the product demand, the brewery eventually covered five city blocks. By the 1870s, the Limp Brewery controlled the St. Louis beer market and maintained this position until prohibition. As a result, the Limp family symbolized both power and wealth. In 1868, Jacob Feichert, William Limp's father-in-law, built a house a short distance from the Limp Brewery. In 1876, William Limp purchased it for his family, utilizing it 
as both a residence and an auxiliary office. While the home was already impressive, Limp immediately began renovating and expanding the 33-room house into a, a Victorian showplace. A tunnel was built from the basement of the mansion through the caves to the brewery. When mechanical refrigeration became available, parts of the cave were converted for other purposes, including a natural auditorium and a theater. This underground oasis would later spawn a large concrete swimming pool with hot water piped in from the brewery boiling house, and a bowling alley. At one time, the theater was accessible by way of a spiral staircase from Cherokee Street. Amid this success, the Limp family experienced the first of many tragedies when Frederick Limp, Williams Sr.'s first son and heir apparent, died in 1901 of a heart failure at 28. The devastated William Limp was never the same, beginning a slow withdrawal from public life. When his closest friend, Frederick Pabst, died, William became apathetic to the details of running the brewery. His physical and mental health declined, and on February 13, 1904, he shot himself in the head with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson. In November 1904, William Limp Jr. took over as the new president of the William J. Limp Brewing Company. Inheriting the family business and a vast fortune, he and his wife Lillian began to spend the inheritance. They filled the house with servants. Then the pair spent vast amounts on carriages, clothing, and art. Lillian was a beautiful woman who came from a wealthy family herself. She and William Limp Jr. had married in 1899, and William J. Limp III was born on September 26, 1900. William tired of his beautiful wife and kept himself busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing all manner of decadent activities during the night. Holding lavish parties in the caves below the mansion, he would bring in numerous prostitutes for the, quote, entertainment, unquote, of his friends. Enjoying the swimming pool, the bowling alley, and the free-flowing beer, his friends who attended these lavish events were known to enjoy a high time in the earth below. Rumor has it William's shenanigans caught up with him when he sired a son with a woman other than his wife. The family hid the boy in the mansion's attic for his entire life because he had Down syndrome, a total embarrassment for the family. According to St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons, when he interviewed a former nanny and a chauffeur who worked at the mansion long ago, both verified that the boy existed and lived in the attic quarters. Known today as the, quote, monkey face boy, unquote, this unfortunate soul continues to show his presence at the Limp Mansion. William Jr. filed for divorce in 1908. With the divorce, Will's troubles had only just begun. In the same year, Will's mother died of cancer on April 16th. By 1906, nine of the large breweries in the St. Louis area combined to form the Independent Breweries Company, creating fierce competition that the Limp Brewery had never faced. Even as the brewery's fortunes declined, William Jr. entirely remodeled the mansion in 1911 and partially converted it into offices for the brewery. By World War I, the brewery was barely limping along. Despite the decline, William built a country home on the Merrimack River, to which he increasingly retreated. In 1915, he married for a second time to Ellie Lindbergh, the widowed daughter of the late St. Louis brewer, Casper Kaler. On March 20, 1920, Elsa Limp Wright, William's sister, 
the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis, shot herself just like her father had years before. Elsa was said to have been despondent over her rocky marriage. After the end of the Lemp's brewing dynasty, William Jr. slipped into a depression. Acting much like his father, he became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunning public life and often complaining of ill health. On December 29, 1922, William shot himself in the heart with a 38 caliber revolver in the same building where his father died 18 years earlier. In 1943, yet another tragedy occurred when William Limp III died of a heart attack at 42. I'm going to pause for a moment to let you know that Author Masterminds, Publication Consultants, and the Readers and Writers Book Club sponsor this podcast. We invite you to join the club where you can chat with the Author Mastermind authors, read free content pieces and serialized books, and buy books at 50% off the list price. Please check the show notes for links to the book club and the Author Mastermind store to learn more about me and my books. After the death of the brother, Charles Limp, the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house. The building began to deteriorate along with the nearby neighborhood, and the haunting tales started. Residents complained of hearing ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps throughout the house. As these stories spread, tenants were hard to find for the boarding house, which continued declining to a near flophouse status. However, in 1975, the old mansion was saved when Dick Pointer and his family purchased it. Immediately, they began to renovate the building, turning it into a restaurant and inn. Workers within the house often told stories of apparitions, strange sounds, vanishing tools, and a feeling of being watched. Frightened by the hauntings, many would leave the job site never to return. The Pointers continued to restore the mansion. As they worked, the Pointers experienced several unexplained occurrences. Once, when Richard Pointer was painting William Limp's former bathroom, he was frightened into leaving early. In describing the event, Pointer said, I was painting the bathroom by myself. There was no one else in the house, and I felt someone behind me, watching me. I mean, it was a terrible feeling, the most burning sensation you could have. I get goosebumps just now thinking about it. I turned around and nothing was there. I started working again and got the same feeling. So without looking behind me, I cleaned my paintbrushes and got the hell out of there. Pointer hired a local artist named Claude Breckwalt to restore the mansion's hand-painted ceilings. Pointer did not inform Breckwalt of any strange goings-on at the estate, yet he too had a similar experience. Breckwalt said, I was on the scaffolding, lying on my back and painting the ceiling in the dining room when I got the feeling that someone was staring at me. I felt as though they were in the hallway just outside the room, but I couldn't see anything through the frosted glass doors. I went on working, and about a half hour later, the feelings returned. It was weird. I felt like I just had to get out of there right then. Breckwalt left without cleaning up, washing his brushes, or even locking the door behind him. He told Pointer, that place is crazy. You must have a ghost in there or something. Pointer's son Dick was once sleeping in the mansion, alone except for his Doberman pincher, Shadow. He and Shadow awoke to hear a loud bang or kick outside his bedroom door. A subsequent search of the house turned up nothing. 
One night, Dick was closing the restaurant when an employee, when they heard two keys playing on the mansion's piano. A search for anyone who could have made the sounds was fruitless. Dick, his sister Patty, and, a very, and various limp mansion employees and guests have experienced unexplained events too numerous to recount here. These include a candle on the mantel being inexplicably lit, the drawer of a furniture piece belonging to the limps, opening and closing without the aid of a human hand, glasses moving, objects disappearing and reappearing in different locations, soft, disembodied voices, and hearing the clip-clop of phantom horses' hooves on the streets leading to the carriage house. The pointers say they've lost many employees over the years due to the unexplained phenomena in the mansion. One such incident involved former waitress Bonnie Strayhorn. She explained, Early one morning, I was going through the house, making sure that everything was as it should be as the restaurant opened, when I noticed a dark-haired man seated at a table in what was originally the Limp family dining room. He was facing away from me, so all I could see was the outline of his shoulders and head. I was surprised to see someone in the restaurant so early, but I asked him if he wanted a cup of coffee. He did not answer. When I looked away for a moment to flip the light on, I turned around and he had vanished. Strayhorn quit her job that day and sought employment elsewhere. She said a man couldn't have been sitting there and they exited the room without seeing him do so. Numerous supernatural events have and continue to occur. Since the restaurant opened, staff members have reported several strange experiences. Again, apparitions appear and then quickly vanish. Voices and sounds come from nowhere, and glasses will often lift off the bar, flying through the air by themselves. On other occasions, doors lock and unlock by themselves, lights inexplicably turn on and off by their own free will, and the piano bar often plays when no one is nearby. Said to be haunted by several members of the Limp family, three areas of the old mansion have the most activity. The stairway, the attic, and what the staff refers to as the, quote, gates of hell, unquote, in the basement. Gates of hell refers to the basement location where the cave's entrance runs from the mansion to the brewery. William Jr.'s illegitimate son, referred to only as the, quote, monkey face boy, unquote, is said to haunt the attic. This poor soul spent his entire life locked in the attic of the Limp Mansion. People report strange occurrences on this third floor level of the mansion. A boy's face has regularly been seen from the street, peeking from the small windows of the house. Ghost investigators have often left toys in the middle of his room, drawing a circle around them to see if the objects will be moved. When they return the next day, the toys are consistently found in another location. Many women have reported a man peeking over the stall in the downstairs women's bathroom, which was once William Jr.'s domain and held the first freestanding shower in St. Louis. On such occasion, a woman emerged from the restroom, returned to the bar, and told the two men she was with, I hope you got an eyeful. However, the two men quickly denied ever leaving the bar, which the bartender verified. This ghost is said to be that of the womanizing William Jr. In William Limp Sr.'s room, guests have often reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door. Legend has it that when William killed himself, William Jr. ran up the stairs to his father's room, finding it locked, began to kick the door to get to his father. 
Several years ago, a part-time tour guide reported hearing the sounds of horses outside the room where William Lemp Sr. kept his office. However, nothing was there when the tour guide looked through the window. The mansion has been featured in several magazine articles and newspapers and now attracts ghost hunters nationwide. Today it features a bed and breakfast with rooms restored in period style, a restaurant featuring fine dining, and a mystery dinner theater. Tours are also available at the mansion. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please check out the show notes. You will find links to the Author Mastermind store and Readers and Writers Book Club. You will also learn more about me and where to acquire my books. Thanks for listening. Until next time, may the sun always be on your face, the wind at your back, and the good Lord walk beside you.